Hi, I'm Bill Small. And I'm Miles Hansen. And welcome to The Subtle Art of Not Yelling. A conversation about growing a business without needing to be the loudest person on the block. Less noise, more... Ah. From string quartets to symphonies, software as service to coaching performers on how to make a living doing what they love, our guest on this episode is Jared Judge. We'll get Jared's story and find out how he rose from the relative obscurity of music school to the thriving business he has today. I'm just glad you're here, man. Thanks for coming. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So you're in uh, Milwaukee, Yeah, Wisconsin, that's right. Yeah? It's just started to turn cold here, so we're in the 30s now. But you guys do have those really cool walkways, mm-hmm. you know, like downtown. Miles, you got to go there sometime because they have these these enclosed walkways where you can get from, you know, one set of buildings to another without going outside. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. And they're redo- redoing a lot of those buildings that they're connected to now. And they're just getting a lot, a lot more modern, which is nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so you and I met in a funny way because I was, uh, making a pitch to come on your podcast and then we did a little get to know you call and it seemed like a good idea to have you on our podcast. Yeah. And it, it's funny cause I, we were using kind of a, a podcast host matching service Yeah, that I wasn't really sure how it worked. So I, I think I was kind of confused on the call and I apologize about that. Oh, it's no problem. <laughs> I think it all worked out for the best because you're here. It really did. Yeah. Well, you know, I know um, Miles always asks this question, but I'm going to jump in and ask it first. I think you have a pretty interesting story. What's your story, man? Like, how did you get where you are at the moment? Yeah. Um, so I'm a musician and I love playing music. I have loved violin specifically ever since I was like third or fourth grade. And my, my grandfather kind of introduced me to the world of classical music and opera and a little bit of jazz, but really he took me to a, a violin concert and I was so little and so impressionable that I wanted to be the person on stage. And, you know, so what, as a fourth grader, what do you do is you go and start learning your instrument. And I did that. And then I kept with it, took private violin lessons my whole life or my whole public school life. Then I decided to actually get a degree in music because I wanted music to be a part of my life forever. And so I got an undergraduate degree in music education. Where did you uh, go to? college i went to penn state university awesome yeah yeah it was was a great music school plus i got to be in their marching band as one of the bass drummers nice and yeah so i I loved studying music i was a huge geek about all things music and i still am but i just love diving into the music theory like the way songs are written and orchestra music i was playing in like all the different bands and orchestras studying music technology and then 
finally they told me, hey, Jared, you've been here long enough. Time to graduate <laughs> and go get a job. And so I did. I got a job as a public school music teacher. I taught. Ooh, how was that? Well, it. I got to teach a couple different, you know, age ranges and different things too. And they all had their pros and cons for sure. <laughs> so yeah, I'm. I'm actually interested because I did. I taught mi uh, middle school kids uh, at a private school here in Wimberley for a couple of years. So oh, nice. what? What ages did you did you teach? I actually got to do it all. Um, I did K to five general music, so kindergarten all the way through fifth grade. Um, but I also taught them beginning instruments starting in third and fourth grade. Wow. But then I also got to uh, do some middle school band teaching. And then I also got to teach the high school marching band. So I got to teach all three age groups at the same time, which was really challenging, but also really fun. Oh, that's cool. But you don't do that anymore, right? No. So ultimately, like, I still had this dream of being that guy on stage. And I felt like as I was teaching, like, it was wonderful. I was getting to help all these kids be the, that person on stage and learn the, the beauty of playing music and how fulfilling it can be. But I was feeling unfulfilled myself. And so it was in my third year of teaching when I was actually just only a high school band teacher that I decided to go to grad school for music to pursue being an orchestra conductor. Mm. And so that took me from New Jersey, which is where I was teaching, took me to Wisconsin. And I've been there ever since. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, kind of a sidebar, but are you from New Jersey? I grew up in, yeah, I grew up in Florida. And then in fourth grade is when I moved up to New Jersey. So I'd been Where in, East, in New Jersey, kind of the Princeton area. I was born in Princeton, New Jersey. Oh, no way. I was. And, uh, and I grew up uh, at least until the middle of high school in a little town called Glen Ridge about, um, I don't know, five miles from Newark. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I knew I liked you. You're Jersey boy. <laughs> yeah, Jersey boy. <laughs> I get asked all the time, like, you don't have a Joysy accent. Are you sure you're from yeah. New Jersey? Yeah, that's that like, happens to me too. Yeah. But yeah, now I'm a Midwesterner. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I say things like Ope all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, so there you are. Uh, I assume you got, did you finish your graduate degree? I did, yeah. So there you are with a graduate degree, coming out of college again, and wanting to be that guy on stage. Then what happened? So this actually happened while I was finishing up that degree, was, you know, when you're finishing up your, your grad degree in music, typically what the advice your professors tell you to do is start taking auditions for professional orchestras. And so that way, you know, when you graduate, you have a job lined up. And so I took their advice and I was applying to orchestras and even college teaching positions and everything and flying across the country, getting to take these auditions, which for an orchestra conductor who wants to make it, the way that you audition is they actually give you 
some time in front of the entire orchestra and you get to conduct them. So they tell you, you have these three pieces that you have to conduct. And then they just say, go ahead. The orchestra is yours. So you wave your, your baton around kind of like Harry Potter casting his first spell. <laughs> and you hope that the orchestra responds well to what you're doing and you make good music. And then at the end of the audition, they'll usually just say like, thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Kind of like your typical job interview. Yeah. But for me and for most musicians who take the audition, um, they get rejection emails after that. It's like, thank you for your time. Unfortunately, we can't select you at this point. And so when you're like trying to pursue this career and you just keep getting rejected over and over again, you start to lose faith in yourself and the dream starts to kind of crumble away from you. And that's kind of what happened to me. And so I get back after one audition for the Air Force Band. I wanted to conduct the Air Force Band. So I get back after another rejection and I say to my professors, this really isn't working for me. What, what am I doing wrong? And I'm going to graduate soon and I want to make my living playing music. Could you help me find like something else to do in music where I don't have to win an audition that very few people win? And they unfortunately shrugged their shoulders and said, <laughs> no, we can't help you because we got into our positions by doing what we told you to do. So keep doing what you're doing. And if you want like career advice, go to the business school and ask them for help. Jeez. And that was, yeah, it was pretty harsh. <laughs> but, you know, I actually listened to them. I walked over to the business school and I just kind of felt like, a sh you know, a fish out of water there. And I said to the business professors, I'm this dorky little orchestra kid. I want to make living playing music and I'm not getting the help I need in music school. Can you guys help me? And they said, yeah, we got you. They threw me into the startup challenge, which was kind of a club, mostly for business majors, but pretty much any major could have done it. And they said, Jared, you need to start treating your music career like a business. And that is how I started to learn how to book private events as a violinist and start playing music at people's weddings and corporate events. And w the more audiences that I got to play for, the more money I was making, which was totally a win-win for me because I wanted to play more music, but I also had to eat, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of like, that set me on the path of starting my own company, which Dream City Music is the company that I use to now book and play these shows. But it also, like, as I was seeing all my other friends graduate from music school with no job lined up, I started teaching them what I had learned how to do by going to the business school. And that is kind of how Book Live started, was when I started teaching them how to do it and helping them with the business side. And we actually created an app that helps automate a lot of the the tool, um, not the tools, but automate a lot of the administrative stuff that people have to do, like contracts and scheduling and all these other things. So that's kind of like the long story of how, how I got to where I am today. Wow. 
That's so cool, Jared. How you um how you were constantly kind of like shrugged off, but you kept going. And it kind of it sounds like you were kind of left hanging there, but you just kept kind of bouncing around until something clicked and ultimately led you to what seems like an amazing uh, path that you're on today. So it's really cool. And I, I really want to learn more about this software too and the combination of like business, solving a problem and still doing what you love. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're running book live. Like what, what's going on today? Yeah. So today book live is being used by about 2000 musicians and I'll kind of tell you the story of why BookLive, the software, came into existence because it's actually related to the way that I started building my own private event music business. Um, so we'd been starting to, after I went to the business school and they taught me like just the very basics of business, I started to implement them because, yeah, you mentioned like, I was getting shrugged off a lot, but I, I did persist through it. And the reason why I was able to persist through it was actually like back in undergrad, the person who was teaching me private lessons on his door, he had a quote by Calvin Coolidge that was about persistence. And he would always in every lesson just say like, read that quote. You might have had a bad lesson today, but read that quote and persist through it and you'll come out the other side better for it. And so I, I took that to heart. And even though like I wasn't getting what I needed in music school, I, I found a way to persist through it and find a way to get what I needed. So I started doing what the business school told me to do, which did involve a lot of marketing, which I know that you guys like to talk about that and focus on, on marketing. And it really does help mm. and it helped me in a way that that's that's how i booked my first ever wedding gig which paid for a month's worth of meals for me while i was in grad school and so the problem that comes with booking those high paying shows is that there is a lot of administration to running a, a group that plays a lot of those gigs there's managing not just my own schedule, but the schedules of at least three other people. There's also making sure everything is done legally with a contract. There's also like figuring out how to take payments because apparently Venmo is not a legit way to take payments as a business, which I learned. And then there's also like the whole customer service thing, which in music school, they don't mention the word customer service, but I realized that I needed to learn about customer service because I was working with 150 brides and grooms, all of whom wanted different things in their music. Like they don't all want to walk down the <laughs> aisle to the same music. And I need to serve these people because that's how they get what they want. That's how I get to play more music for them and their guests and the audiences. And ultimately that's how I can feed myself and my family. Well, and, and you make such a brilliant point about customer service and how that's not mentioned in music school wasn't mentioned when i went to music school either mm -hmm. <laughs> and and part of it may be because oftentimes we're not 
really thinking of ourselves when we're musicians as business owners or as business people. I mean, generally, if somebody opens a business, there is some level of customer service they're going to have to deal with. We don't really think about that. And it's so incredibly important. And I mean, for any musician anywhere, you show up to play, you have to interface with whoever uh, you're playing for. And I don't just mean the audience, but whoever hired you for the gig might be there or whoever runs that particular venue is going to be there. And there's people who work there and you just want to leave all of those people thinking, wow, I'm really glad that person was here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Absolutely. And that's how you build those relationships. It's just super important. Yeah. So they call you again. Yeah. Do you ever have, um, do you get referrals from some of the venues that you have worked at? Yeah, all the time, actually. Yeah, that's great. And that's where that customer service piece really comes in. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I mentioned, like, I, I was starting to get super busy booking and, and playing all these shows and giving really good customer service that it was competing for my time while I was still in grad school. Um, Because as a grad student, that's supposed to be your full-time job is learning what you need to learn. And um, this was taking away from that. But this also felt like the right thing to do because I was making a living off of my art, which was my goal in the first place. But um, so I was fine juggling both things. And I was using all of these different tools to kind of keep track of everything like spreadsheets and Google calendar. And um, I was actually keeping notes in my phone and then I would have just email chains for each wedding and then email chains with all the musicians and then Facebook messenger threads. And for a while that system worked for me until it didn't, which was, um, about a couple months after I had just gotten married, this was an October and a fall October in Wisconsin is beautiful because then you can go apple picking with your wife if you want to. <laughs> and so I took my wife, Emily out on a date to pick some apples. And it was about an hour outside of our city. And the reason why I felt confident doing this on a Saturday, which Saturdays are typically wedding days for us was I checked all my spreadsheets. I checked email and notes, and I didn't see any weddings for the day. And I hear you laughing because you probably know where this is going. Yeah, I have some idea. But go ahead. (laughs) So as we're picking Honeycrisp apples, I get a phone call, and the caller ID said a wedding planner's name. And when I saw that, my heart started pounding. It's like, oh, crap, what did I do? And I answer it, and the person on the other end is furious. She screams at me saying, Jared, the bride walks down the aisle in 10 minutes. Where the heck are the strings? And I lost it. I kind of froze up and said, I I don't know. Let me call you right back. Hung up, checked the spreadsheets again. There was nothing there. And then I just start panicking and I'm calling every musician in that I had in my, my phone at the time. I said, hey, could you get to this wedding in 10 minutes and just play nice music? Nobody was available. And so... 
I'm starting to get heart palpitations. Yeah, you just I'm talking sweating. about it. Yeah. <laughs> it. It was every musician's worst nightmare, and it, it came true for me. So I was like totally freaking out. Luckily, I called the DJ because the DJ at that wedding was one of my friends. And I said, hey, look, I feel so bad right now. I screwed up this person's wedding. Could you bring one of your speakers to their ceremony and just play nice wedding music? And he said, yeah, that's fine. I got you. And I was like, hallelujah. So he played their ceremony, but it still wasn't what they wanted. And I still felt like I ruined somebody's wedding. So I apologize. I basically go on like a, an apology tour. I call <laughs> call the couple, apologize to them. I even talk to their parents, apologize to them and the wedding planner and the venue too. Um, I refunded them their money. And then I felt so bad that I actually paid for the DJ just so like, I don't know, I, I just wanted to make things right. But how can you recover from something like that? So after that, I kind of like, you know, I, I, I went to a bar just to kind of forget about it. And as I am finished at the bar, I want to get home. I'm not going to drive because, you know, I just had something to drink. So I call an Uber and I'm looking as the, the car is on the map on its way to the bar. And I have this realization that Uber is basically managing a gig for the driver. It's telling the driver the date and the time that I want to be picked up. It's telling the venue to pick me up at. And then after the driver's gig, it actually pays them, which I realized like I do all of that just for private events and gigs, right? Why can't I use something like Uber to manage my gigs? And so I look, I, I actually search in the Uber ride home. Is there anything like this for, for musicians? And there's not. There are a lot of like tools to get gigs. You know, we've all seen like Gig Salad and sure. even Wedding Wire and everything like that. But there was nothing that said after you find the gig, how do you take it to the finish line and make sure you don't forget to staff it? And so when I realized there was nothing out there, I pulled out an old coding book that I had been learning how to code in middle school and just start cranking away and trying to code this very first version of what is now book live. How did that go? <laughs> well, it was kind of rough getting back into it, but once it, it started to come back to me and it was written in PHP, like straight up PHP, no frameworks at the time. Um, and I put in the first version or the, the very next gig into it. It was kind of a very low quality interface at the time. Of course, we've put in a lot more time and energy into it now. But I put in the next gig and I said, we have a wedding November 12th. It is at this venue and I want Paul on first violin. I want me on second violin. I want Catherine on viola and Jackie on cello. And I basically pressed one button in the app, kind of like when Uber has the request ride. I put like request musicians and it shot out emails and text messages to all of them. And I kind of just prayed that it worked. But the crazy part was that 30 seconds later, my phone vibrated and it said, Paul just accepted this gig. And then 30 seconds later, it said, 
Catherine's not available, but I've already reached out to Dana to see if she will play viola. And Dana then said yes. So all of a sudden, I just like freed myself up from having to do all of that work. And I felt like with this tool, I was on fire because I would never risk missing a gig ever again and reliving that worst moment of my life. Man, that's fantastic. Damn, that's awesome, man. I love Thanks. the, just, I love stories like that, that are just so real. Like you're leaving a bar. You just had like one of the hardest days probably of your life. And you have this connection between music and booking gigs and Uber. <laughs> it's it's just so cool <laughs> how it came from such a, um, just a real moment like that. And then you put in the the work to actually build it and create it. That's awesome. But you know, in a way, <clears throat> this sounds like the same thing as when you got out of undergrad or mm -hmm. got out of your graduate program. What do mm -hmm. you do now? Mm -hmm. You know, like you could keep using that for yourself. Did you immediately think I should make this available to other musicians and maybe have this be part of my business? Or were, were you really just more focused on using it for your, your own career? To start, I was focused on kind of digging myself out of all the administration. Yes. But then I mentioned earlier, like some of my colleagues in music school started to ask me to teach them, how do we get access to these gigs? They started to ask me, how do we use could we use your software? Because these were the same people who I was actually using in my my string quartet gigs. They were getting to play with me at these weddings. Right. So they're getting the automated text messages and emails with the gigs. Exactly. Yeah. And so when it, like the first version of it, I was not like proud of it enough to let somebody else use it. It's like, it's kind of hard to use because it's literally brand new. But let give me some time. Let me actually make it better and make it easier to use for somebody who didn't create it. And then I'll let you try it out. And so I did, I let them try it out after I spent time and actually started to hire some other coders to help me out with it too. And when I let them try it out, it immediately worked for them too, because they were already familiar with it. And so it was just push a button, like order a driver, you know, get my musicians. And it worked for them too. And the cool part though, is that it also helps them track the income that they earn from gigs. So they were seeing that like, hey, this month I've only booked, you know, $1,000 worth of gigs, but in order to feed myself and my family, like my rent is $1,000, I need to book, you know, five more gigs or something like that. And so it, it immediately started to work for them and helped them kind of double down on the stuff that was already working for them. And then you obviously grew up past that because you said you have about 2000 people on there. Mm -hmm. How'd you do that? Well, honestly, I didn't put a lot of time and thought into marketing it from the beginning because <laughs> they don't teach marketing in music school. So it started out very much just like word of mouth. The musicians that were playing with me started to use it for their gigs. And then because of that, they would tell the other people that they were playing for, like, hey, I, 
I'm using this really cool tool. You should try it out too. And so it, it spread that way. And only recently have we started to actually put some time and effort into the marketing of it. But I think because it started out more word of mouth, I feel like the users that we have are, are more loyal and more active in it. And they, they're getting a, a good experience out of it. That's so cool. That's um, so aligned with something that I've been very fascinated with lately, which is kind of like inside out marketing instead of going out there and getting the people and getting their awareness and then building the relationship with them and doing all that stuff, like kind of a traditional funnel where it starts with awareness. Instead, you built an amazing product that served a real purpose and, and solved a real problem. And the initial handful of users loved it enough to then share it with people. And it sold its, it, it just sold itself because it worked. And so I love that. It kind of proves something yeah. that I've been preaching lately, which is like, let's flip it on its head, focus on building something really awesome, and then build that relationship. And it will kind of it'll kind of just like take care of itself. Of course, there's things you can do to build awareness. There's there's an endless amount of strategies, like marketing strategies and tactics out there that can just amplify it. But did you just kind of like walk into that and you realize, oh shoot, people are actually spreading this thing. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I wasn't paying too much attention to like, trying to spread right. it so the one of the examples that i i guess sticks with me the most there's this woman named pendra out in ohio she runs a string quartet kind of like i run a string quartet and they're called viva la strings and we started working together very early on um and it became clear we had actually a lot of similarities like one of her players in her quartet actually studied violin from the conductor that I was learning conducting from in Milwaukee. Uh, but they were based in Ohio. It was just like kind of this crazy, you know, connection. And originally, like, I didn't know her. She wasn't somebody who I was friends with before this. But she found out about the software. Um, I think it was through that violinist who found out about it through another violinist and we started working together and she was running her business in such a way like she started to live chat me because I put live chat into the software because if anyone had any problems with it I wanted to make sure they got help and so she would live chat me saying like hey I do something slightly different with my business could you help me like figure out how to make that work with book live and I would say yeah, I got you, Pendra. And then I would spend a couple hours coding something and then live chatter back and say, hey, it's ready for you to try. And we just started to build this relationship that blossomed into a friendship. Like I consider Pendra a good friend of mine now just simply because she found out about the software and we chat business, we chat family. Um, she lets me know when she goes on vacation to cool places, I get good photos. And I don't know, that's just kind of like, I love that about what I get to do. I love meeting these people and, and becoming friends with people who I would not have gotten to know otherwise. Oh, it's so cool, man. 
it's such an uh, it's an immediate feedback, which is really cool too. So you're you're building real relationships, and then that's also helping you evolve the product essentially. And i i wanted to um I wanted to ask this question. Just go back for a second. That first gig that you booked, um, I think it was a wedding, right? How did you how did you book that? Was it just because um, you 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 had learned some things? I'm assuming around marketing, and then you applied them. What were those things, if if anything? Yeah. So the very first gig that I booked for myself while I was still in grad school was a wedding. And what I learned from the business school, really like the biggest problem that musicians face or, or that any real business face is just it's obscurity. Like people don't know that you exist and that you can help them out. <laughs> so <laughs> the first thing that like the business school helped me do was identify where are the places that the people who can hire you are already looking for services similar to you? And so based on that research, I found a directory website for wedding services called weddingwire.com. And I browsed through it. I noticed that on the site, the venues all listed themselves. Like you can get married at the Black Swan Ballroom or the Hilton. And then they also had a musicians category. And I noticed that there were already a few musicians listed there. And I was like, well, if people are going to find me, then I got to be here. And so I signed up for that. And I also realized that these musicians, I browsed all their profiles, of course, because that's what you do is you creep on other people. And I realized they had a couple things that I didn't have yet. They had videos of themselves playing and the videos that they crafted. Um, they recorded videos of themselves. Some of them were in wedding venues, which I, I immediately understood. Like they're trying to show whoever's watching this, what a wedding will look and sound like if they play at their wedding. So then I realized I needed to do that too. So I went and recorded a video at something that looked like a wedding venue. Uh, luckily, art school, it was, this was a uh, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. They had an art museum that students could like reserve, kind of like a classroom. So I just reserved the art museum and recorded a video of us playing there because it looked like a wedding venue and put together this profile. And so once I did that, it didn't take very long for us to get our first inquiry of somebody looking for us to play at their wedding. That's awesome. Um, you basically, and I love the word you used, yeah. you basically just eliminated obscurity. Yeah. <laughs> just made it really simple and clear for people. <laughs> this is what you get. And here's where I am. And here's how, this is what I can do for you. Like the basics. But I think so many people forget even that, right? Especially when you're not taught anything like that in you know, music school or any other school for that matter that doesn't really show you that, you know, running, being able to run a business um, is really important. Just the basics of that, putting yourself out there, you know, all the different components that come with that. 
That's really cool. For sure. Jared, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm really struck by is not only your ability to, as we talked about, persevere through the various roadblocks and challenges that come up, but also to pivot your creativity where you need it. And that's not always easy for people. Um, you seem to have a pretty great mix of a creative side and a more kind of logical, analytical side. One of the things we, we often ask people is, would you, do you consider yourself introverted or extroverted? Well, that's a good question. So I consider myself an introvert, but I have worked very hard to kind of, I, I don't want to say overcome it because it's not a weakness, but I've, I've found ways to also appear as an extrovert when the situation needs that. Yeah, because it's hard to be that guy on stage and be an introvert. Exactly. Without being a shoegazer. Mm -hmm. um, Miles and I, I think both kind of have the same story. And Miles, I'm, I'm going to talk Fair. to you, sorry. Uh, where we are naturally introvert, introverted. Help if I could say the word introverted. Uh, but find that it's necessary to be extroverted from time to time. I know that for me, I have to do it. I go do it, but then I need that time later to go and recharge. Yeah, exactly. And that's how I've heard of introversion versus extroversion is it's all about like, if you imagine you have a battery introverts, when you're in a social situation, it drains your battery mm -hmm. versus, versus extroverts, yeah. a social situation charges your battery. Charges the battery. Yeah, that's a, oh, I love that. That's a great metaphor for it. That's perfect. Uh, so along with those challenges, and I know you still have them, you know, life is life, right? Mm-hmm. What are the things that that you do for yourself that you feel like keep you in your lane, keep you from losing your mind, uh, that keep you where you need to be to keep growing and moving forward and growing your business and having fun playing music? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a lot. Uh, I can answer that question in a variety of ways. I mentioned, I don't know if we were recording earlier, but... Um, my wife and I recently got into rock climbing and just that physical exercise and yeah. it's a fun social activity that you don't really have to, <laughs> it's just me and my wife on, on the rocks in, in the, uh, in the climbing gym. So as an extrovert, it's great. Cause you don't really have to talk to, to, um, sorry, as an introvert, it's great. Cause you don't have to talk to too many people, but it's also social because you are putting yourself out there. That's mm -hmm. <laughs> perfect mix. Um, so as a business owner, though, I find that I need a lot of momentum. Like I just need to feel like I'm in momentum mm. to feel satisfied with, with what I'm doing. And I have actually a coach. So I just enrolled in a, in a coaching program that provides me with that feeling of momentum, but also they help me recognize how far I've come. Yes. 
which I don't always do naturally. You know, it's like I'm so busy doing that I don't realize that I'm not where I started. Um, yeah. Yeah, because sometimes you don't really feel any different. Yeah. You don't always feel any different than when you did when you started. Exactly. And you still have more to go. Well, I really want to acknowledge you for uh, being forward-thinking enough to know that when you own a business, the smartest thing you can do for yourself is have a coach. Yeah. It really is. That's fantastic. Yeah. For sure. I, I also did want to also address the, the musical creativity side too. Yeah, please. The first thing I, I always have to mention is that like many people, a lot of musicians look at weddings as not being creative work. They think, oh, you're just playing canon in D 150 times a year. <laughs> and that's not far from the truth that I play canon in D 150 times a year. But I do think it's very creative and it is artistically fulfilling because I get to perform music and I get to really dive deep into certain songs. And then we also expand our repertoire all the time. Like we are always adding new songs to our list. And even the songs that we played 150 times in a year, we'll find ways to keep it fresh and make it interesting by maybe adding some musical embellishments or just realizing that there was deeper meaning to the songs that we've been playing for so long anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the first thing I mentioned, but also I do have some other like side projects. So I am a member of the Milwaukee Philharmonic Orchestra. So I do play orchestral music. Oh, fantastic. And then I also, on my Instagram account, I've been starting to record multi-track videos of myself playing four instruments at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and that has been a super fun creative project that I just, I need to do more of because it, it's fun, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> so, you know, you're pointing to one other thing that I got to, that, that I really want to pull out because I think it's important for people to hear. And this is, I think this happens a lot of times with creatives. I see it with musicians. I certainly did it myself for a long time. You don't just do one thing. You have a multitude of interests, some musical, some not, and some attached to music, some not, and you're engaged in all of those things. And I think that's so important. Sometimes I really think people get this uh, this belief that they're supposed to just do this one thing and nothing else. And that may work for some folks. I don't know. But and that drives me crazy. I get really bored. So I'm the same way. It's important for me to have several things. Not so much that I'm uh, you know, not finishing projects or actually moving forward, but but actually not being afraid to be involved in all the things that turn me on, that fuel me, that keep me growing and going. Yeah, variety is the spice of life. Yeah, I think it's great. Miles, you were going to ask a question. Yeah, I wanted to just go back for a second um, regarding introvert, introversion. Um, what would you say, Jared? Can you talk a little bit about what are some strengths? Because I know 
the the strengths in our society with ec- being an extrovert are pretty obvious. You can go out there, you can meet people, you can, you know, do public speaking, you can put yourself out there and be heard and things move that way. But what about on the other side? How do you think that uh, being an introvert is beneficial and powerful? Yeah, that's a good question. I haven't thought too much about that, but I think being an introvert means that I'm more comfortable being by myself a lot, which gives me a lot of time to think and dive deep, really deep into something such as like pulling all-nighters and coding an app or you know, spending hours in a practice room learning one minute of a song, you know? Mm-hmm. So it helps you think deeply about things. And then it also, if you're able to think deeply about things and then synthesize your thoughts, to me, that's where I can fake being an extrovert because I can talk about something for so long, right. you know? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, That's, that's a great, great answer. Good. So what's next? What are you looking forward to? What's the what's the next level for you? Yeah, um, good question. So next level for me is te- uh, treating the teaching and coaching side of what I do, taking that to a, a greater level. So I'm actually in the process of launching what I call Book Live Academy, which is kind of like the missing piece of music school that they didn't have, which is the business side of private events and music. So starting out mostly with private event coaching. And so I I really want to help as many musicians as possible who want to make a living doing what they love and play for more audiences, but also get paid. I want to help them do that and bring my coaching to them because I just recorded a course that shows them the step-by-step of how I built my string quartet from the ground up. So that's kind of the, the big next step for us. That's Fantastic. super cool. Love it. What do you think is, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge in getting that to where you want it to be? That's a good question. I think it's the marketing of that specific course. Yeah. I think there's a lot of noise in the marketplace. There's a lot of people saying, I'm going to help you get rich with your music. (laughs) And I think people are tired of, of hearing that messaging all the time. They feel like they're being lied to or conned out of money. But what I really want to do is I want to find a way to provide value before I even ask for money. And I also want to attract a certain type of musician. I actually want to start with classical musicians just like me. Yes. Because I know that I can help them because I did it myself. You know, I think that's a great way to look at it. I was just having this conversation with somebody else this week and, uh, Oftentimes in the coaching and training space and in the online space, 
there are things that you can sign up for that cost a lot of money that make promises that they can't keep. And actually, I think you and I talked about that the other day. Mm -hmm. We did. Uh, and the bottom line is for any, for any coach, for any training, for any program, if you, if you just focus on actually delivering what you say you're going to deliver, then you have it. There's no problem. There's no issue. Just deliver. Yeah. Oh, and don't tell people they're going to make a million dollars with their music, but. Yeah, that's very powerful. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, you know, what Miles was saying earlier about building a great product in, and it'll, it'll spread itself if it's good. I do feel like building a product and marketing a product are two separate things that kind of fall on opposite ends of a spectrum. And I feel like where the magic happens is kind of when you're right in the middle of those two, maybe slightly, mm. le slightly leaning towards building a good product, you know? It sounds like you've already built it. I have. Yes. Yeah. So you're in that space where you just have to have some people use it and love it and mm -hmm. deliver. Yeah, exactly. Man. And, you know, I have this thing and, and I don't know, I say it a lot. I've probably said it on most of the shows is that, and I think you're like this. You tell me if I'm wrong. Like I don't do what I do for money, but you have to pay me. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Yeah. So don't be afraid to, to get paid. Just deliver. That's the only place people get in trouble when they have an online course or a program or they're a coach or a teacher is when they start charging people for something and they can't deliver. Right. I don't think you're going to have that problem. I don't think so either. I've already gotten people results. Like we've started giving out awards for musicians who book a certain dollar amount and we've given out plenty of those awards so far. That's super cool. Um, well, is there anything you want to point people to or make sure that people know that we haven't talked about? Um, I mean, so I did just within the last couple of months, I released a book. So I'm now a published author, which is exciting. Congrats. And uh, thank you. Awesome. <laughs> um, the title of the book is Gigging Secrets, which I know that, you know, on, on your podcast, you guys have talked a bit about the click funnel story and bro marketing and everything. Yeah. So I'm feeling a little self-conscious about that title. But really for me, this book, Gigging Secrets, these are the secrets that they didn't teach me in music school that shouldn't be a they secret. They are actual se secrets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are, yes. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's that's available at my website. I bought the domain giggingsecrets.com and that's where people can get it if they want it. Oh, awesome. fantastic. And are you um, a social media guy or do you avoid it like the plague? Where do you stand on that? I do put some time into social media. Cool. Um, so I have, I have Facebook and Instagram. 
people can find my personal stuff uh, just at Jared Judge on both of those places. And then Book Live also has its own Facebook page, and the Instagram is at Book Live App. Beautiful. Thanks for coming on here, Jared. This uh, your story is really good. It it really captivated me and i learned a lot from this so it was really good to meet you and i'm excited to um stay connected and learn more about what you're putting out into the world awesome thank you miles it's been a pleasure meeting you and and being on the podcast and thank you bill as well yeah i'm so glad this worked out the way it did i can't thank you enough and i know that i'm going to talk to you soon and so i'm i look forward to that yeah i look forward to that too as well Hey, thanks for listening today. Miles, can you believe people actually listen to this stuff? No. <laughs> well, if you liked it and you want to know more, you can go to... Wait, where do they go? Uh, it's... <laughs> Let me try that again. Subtleartofnotyelling.com Subtleartofnotyelling.com Does that have a B in it? There's a hidden B somewhere. I think it's I think it's actually pronounced subtle. Ah, and people just subtle kinda, art of not mm-hmm. yelling. So you can go there. Yep. And uh, when you're there, you can leave a review. You can send us a voice message, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get on our email list, uh, find out more about uh, what great and awesome people we are. And uh, man, I guess I guess we'll just see you next time.